testimonies. And tonight we're going to continue looking at the uh, Word of God concerning the Holy Spirit. So if you'll turn to John 14, all right, John chapter 14, and specifically tonight Christ's teaching on the Holy Spirit. And we've been, I've been preaching on Sunday nights for several months now and began this as a series on uh, issues, current issues, issue, issues of life. And we've covered a lot of those, and, and yet certainly one of the great issues is the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of the reasons I'm preaching on this is that um, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, whether we are even aware of his presence. But more than that, we really need a working of the Holy Spirit. Our community here in Mashapa needs a great, a, a real working of God's Spirit. Now that's going to take place through the Word, through us, right? As I mentioned this morning, challenging everybody to find one person that you can minister to. And so in John 14, let's pick it up in verse 15. Jesus said this, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And then verse 26, but when the Comforter, or but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And so, all right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this time that we can meet together tonight. Thank, we thank you for the songs that we've sung, for the testimonies that were given. And Father, we're, we believe that the Holy Spirit uh, was working this past week, and as he drew people out, children, that he also led us, the teachers and helpers, and used the word of God to work in hearts. And Father, we ask thee to reach into these homes, dear Lord, especially where the parents do not know the Lord, and that they would come to know him. And yet now tonight, dear Lord, help us to concentrate on the subject at hand, and I do pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in bringing forth a message tonight. And we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. John 14, put it into perspective, this is the very night that Jesus would be arrested. All right? In fact, they just left the upper room. In John chapter 12, they had, they had the, the observed, in Christ instituted the Lord's table, and then he said, Arise, let us go hence. And so they're walking from the upper room. They're heading for the Garden of Gethsemane. Later that night, John chapter 18, Judas and his Judas will bring a band of people, and they will he will betray the Lord Jesus, and he will be arrested, taken away, next morning crucified. So this is happening really quickly. Uh, so we're talking about the last few hours of Jesus' earthly life. And so he's preparing them, and he knows it's getting down to the critical time. A lot of things are going to happen. Peter's going to deny the Lord. All the disciples are going to flee. And then, of course, the mock trial, the, the awful trial that they, would, they put Jesus through, and then going to the cross. And so they're going to need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, just like we need it today. And, um, and we, need to, we need to depend on his strength and his might and his power. 
And so first of all tonight, I want to say that the key to their lives and service and ours is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not our ingenuity. It's not our stamina. You know, it's nothing like that, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus begins this particular section by talking about the proof of love. All right? The proof of, proof of love. Do you love the Lord tonight? Do you love Jesus? This is what Jesus says. If you love me. And the word... The Greek word translated if is not so much hypothetical, so it could be translated since you love me. And Jesus knew their hearts, and he, he knew that they loved him, and they knew that he loved them, all right? Just like the Lord Jesus Christ loves us. And so if you love me, there's the presence of love. If you love me, then the proof of love is keep my commandments. Listen to this verse. Keep my commandments. 1 John, near the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 5. Notice what the Bible says. Um, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God. In other words, this is the proof of the love of God. This is the love of God. This is the love of God in action is what John is writing, that we keep his commandments, all right? that we obey the word of God, and his commandments are not grievous. Now last Sunday night, we were talking about a godly husband. We talked about Jacob, and how he served Laban for Rachel seven years. Remember what the Bible says about that? And it seemed to him but a few days for the love of which he had to her. So in other words, it was not burdensome. The, the agreement that Jacob made with Laban was not grievous. And that's the idea here. If we love God, his commandments are not grievous. Oh, I've got to do this, you know. Um, so by the way, part of the problem is we try to do it in our own strength. But we need to come to the point in our life where obedience is a delight. We joy to keep the word of God. A really good, if you want to remind yourself of that, every once in a while, take your Bibles and read Psalm 119. And all the times that the psalmist expresses his love for the word of God. And that holiness and righteousness are a joy. And we need to remember that. This, the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. That word grievous means burdensome or heavy. Right. We need to remember that. Now let's take a look back, let's go back to John 14 and take a look at the promise of the Comforter. Alright? The promise of the Comforter. Or I should say, yeah, the provision. That's supposed to be provision. The provision of the Comforter, the provision of the Holy Spirit. And this is a big deal. I know for sure the disciples didn't understand that. They didn't appreciate it at the time. I've mentioned before, when I was saved as a boy, I probably didn't appreciate it either. I didn't understand much about the Holy Spirit. I probably didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, um, even though he obviously uh, worked in my life. And so it wasn't until I got older and got under the Word of God more uh, that I began to understand the Holy Spirit. Well, then we got to Bible college, and there was a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit and on revival and, and prayer and, and things like that, and witnessing and, and realizing the need of the Holy Spirit. Well, And the disciples would very soon learn how much they needed the Holy Spirit. But notice the provision. I want to do this to give you some terms. I have like five things about the description 
that the Lord gives of the Holy Spirit. So again, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And their authority is in that order. God is over the Son and Spirit. The Father and Son are both over the Holy Spirit. He is, he is uh, subservient to them. Now, um, John 14, and first thing it says here, reminds us of that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. In verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Right? So the Spirit of God is a gift. In fact, in the book of Acts, in chapter 10, when Peter went to preach to Cornelius, the Bible says, while Peter yet spoke, the Holy Ghost fell upon those that heard the word. And the Bible says that the Jews who, who accompanied Peter were amazed when they saw, and here's what the Bible says, that upon the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift given by God for to his children. All right? I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter. Another comforter. The word another is means another of the same kind. He would be like Jesus and do for the disciples what Jesus had done. All right? Even though, you know, they would never be able to see the Holy Spirit, he would be as much with them as Jesus was with them. And I could just see a zealousness and excitement in the Lord Jesus as he's teaching because he knows this is all part of God's will, this is all part of God's plan. And the Lord Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, rising again, going back to heaven, his going to heaven, as we'll see in a future message, was had to happen. Jesus had to leave before the Holy Spirit would be given. And so, but another comforter, one of the same kind. Now the word comforter means an advocate called alongside to help. And it's from a Greek word. The Greek word is parakaleo. Para means near. Kaleo means to call. And so it is, there's, there's, it, if it's from God's end, he's sending one to help. If it's from our end, we're calling upon him to help. And so the same word, all right, the same word is used. So another comforter, one just like the Lord. All right? The third thing also in verse 16, that he may abide with you forever. Abide means to stay with, dwell with, remain. Again, last Sunday evening we talked to, about how the husbands are to dwell with their wives. And that means stay with them, live with them. Same word, same idea. So Jesus said, this holy, this comforter, he would stay with them. All right, now we know about the scriptures that teach that the Holy Spirit lives in us. He lives inside. He takes up residence in our body when we are saved. All right, now, then it says that he may uh, dwell with you forever. Ever. That means permanently throughout life on earth. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He's always there. 
No, there's, a, there's an ex exclusivity, if you will. But notice verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. He will teach and guide the believers in the truth of God's word. And we're going to see that in just a few minutes. Notice chapter 14 of John, verse 6. And it's interesting. Why is he called the spirit of truth? Well, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And when Jesus said, he shall give you another comforter, one like me. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so he is the author of truth, actually. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so he's the spirit of truth. But I want you to notice, he's only for believers whom the world cannot receive. Right? This age, the world system we're in, cannot receive. Why? Because it suiteth him not. We live in a world today where people say they don't believe in anything they can't see. And to them, if I had an opportunity, I'd say, take this screwdriver and stick it in that light socket. And you'll believe in electricity if you didn't before, even though you can't see it. People believe in things every day that they can't see. But of course, because it's the Lord... They use that for an excuse. So the world sees him not. They don't see the Spirit of God. Neither knoweth him. In other words, they don't acknowledge him. They don't recognize him. So you even have religions today, such as Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, who deny there, that there even is a Holy Spirit. Okay? They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. See, they don't see him. They don't acknowledge him. But then he says to the, to, the, to the disciples, but ye know him. Okay? They were aware of him. Um, Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit um, in different ways. One of the ways was when he, um, when he was accused of casting out devils, demons, and the power of the devil, Jesus said, hey, no, I'm doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And then he warned them about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And so, and then in that great passage in John 3 about being born again, he talked about the Spirit, born of the Spirit. And we can't see the Spirit, but we can see the effects. You know, Jesus used the example of the wind, right? We can't see the wind, but we can see what it does. So, but the world has no clue about that. But he says, you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Okay, the Spirit of God has always been around because he's omnipresent and shall be in you. Alright? So, um, he, 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 he will be in you. And that, of course, refers to his indwelling presence. And we've mentioned that on, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon those believers. And among those were the eleven. You know, the, the twelve minus Judas were there. And so he came upon them. And in fact, he came upon everybody that was there. And Acts said there was about 120 and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then in chapter 8, when, when Philip went to Samaria to preach and they believed, they were baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter preached to Cornelius and his family and neighbors and they, they were saved, they believed, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. 
And so it's been ever since that, that day, whenever someone believes in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them and baptizes them spiritually into Christ, into the body of Christ. Now, let's skip down to verse 26, and we'll come back to 18 in a moment. Acts chapter, er, John 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, that is the Guide, the Advocate, the Helper, which is the Holy Ghost. In case, there's any, in case there's any question or uncertainty, it is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Again, that is simply reinforcing the fact that the Holy Spirit will do the same thing Jesus did. He is, he is the same in essence. They're equal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one. So he will send him in my name. That is in his place and with his authority. Okay. Now what is he going to do? He shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And so the Lord Jesus said when the Holy Spirit came, would come, he would teach them. The Spirit teaches. And, and eventually, Lord willing, and the, and the Lord tarries, we will get into 1 Corinthians where Paul taught about the Spirit of God, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, about how we, 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 we teach the things of the Spirit of God, the things of the Word of God, and then bring all things to remembrance. And so as the disciples started going into all the world to preach the gospel, as Jesus said, it was the Holy Spirit who directed them. Mark puts it this way, God working with them. And of course that was through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he would, they would remember the things Jesus said. And of course we have... The New Testament is basically the word of Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And some of these disciples, like uh, you know Peter and John, uh, Matthew, they actually wrote the things, the words of Christ. And so we can read them tonight because the Holy Spirit brought them to their remembrance and led them to write things down. That's why we have the word of God. All right, so so the promise, and we're gonna we'll see more about that as we make make our way through the next couple chapters of John, because Jesus did a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit in chapter 15 and also chapter 16. So he would so he would be with them, he would be with them, he would dwell with them, he would teach them, he would guide them, and then one last thing back in verse 18, the promise of abiding love. The promise of abiding love. In John 14 and verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. The word comfortless means abandoned or orphaned. Um, they were scared. You know, they were sad that Jesus was going away, but they were also terrified. They were afraid because who's gonna who's gonna help us? Um, you know, 
that it doesn't take a person very long to be a Christian before he or she realizes, hey, I can't do this by myself. I need help. And so Jesus promised that help. He promised that presence. Now, you and I don't appreciate the difference. We don't know what it was like to have Jesus in their midst. And yet he would tell them, and we'll see this passage in a couple weeks, where he said to them, it's, it's, it's expedient for you that I go away. In other words, it's better for you, you're better off without me here. And they're thinking, how could that be? But like the eagle, when it teaches its young to fly, it takes them up on her wings, and then he, she you know, makes them fall off. And they flutter and they fall and she gets underneath them and takes them back up. And then, you know, the same thing happens and eventually they don't need, they fly. And the Bible compares the eagle to God helping us, being with us and teaching us to, to go on our own, so to speak. And so he will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. He will do the same things for them as Jesus did when he was with them. Now, let's go to, to the book of 2 Corinthians in closing. I want to take this, this idea of the comforter um, one step further tonight. Um, it's not just for our benefit. We need to understand that. Um, it's not just so we can be blessed and we can be helped. But notice what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And I'm going to emphasize every time the, the, a form of that word is, is in these two verses. So, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And in verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. The word consolation is the same as comfort. All right? So what? Six times in those three verses, a form of the word parakaleo is used, and so they're all forms, and so one called alongside to help, or to ask, beg, or plead for help. So, the point of these two verses that Paul gives is that God comforts us. He, he helps us. He encourages us. He consoles us. Part of that word parakaleo also means is the idea of exhortation or urging. So when we read the word comfort in the Bible, it's not just putting your arm around somebody, oh, it's okay, it's going to be all right. That's part of it, but that's really not the main part. The main part is, come on, be encouraged. Go, do it. We can do it. You can do it with God's help. That's the comfort. And then there's consolation. So God comforts us through the Word. And again, in that in that one nineteenth Psalm talks about how the Word of God comforts, right? And the Bible says in Romans that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures 
might have hope. And that word comfort is the same word as that parakaleo, that we might, the scriptures comfort us. They encourage us. They guide us. They help us. All right? So God comforts us so we can comfort others. Right? And so therefore, we need a couple things. We need to know the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. I want you to, now, now, interesting that Jesus said he's going to bring to remembrance what you've already heard. And the Holy Spirit will only bring to our minds verses that we already, are already familiar with. Okay, so that's why we need to be familiar. That's why we need to hide the word of God in our hearts. That's why we need to be ready always to give an answer. Right? So, there, so number one, we need to know... The word God, and I'm thinking of the word rhema, that is specific scriptures for specific situations. Right? So that's number one. We need to have the word of God in our hearts and minds and at our fingertips, as it were, to use it. And then, of course, secondly, we need to be where people are so that we can comfort and encourage one another. You know, one example of the word of God comforting is found. Let's go there for real quick. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 that talks about the coming of Christ. He's coming for us. If you're saved tonight, Jesus is coming. He's going to take us to heaven. And certainly when we go to heaven, all of our troubles, all of our problems, all of our heartaches and our, our tears and our sorrows and our pain will all be over with when we go to heaven. And so here's what the Lord says about that through Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, that is unlearned, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that is those who have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So encourage one another. Console one another. That we're not, it's not going to always be like this, all right? We're, our troubles one day will be over, all right? And certainly one of the desires of our hearts ought to be for to, to, for, to have others go with us when the Lord comes. But again, God comforts us so we can comfort others. So may the Lord help us to do that. Father, thank you for this time. We can meet together tonight. We thank thee for thy precious word. Bless the word of God to our hearts and minds. Lord, put us in a place where we, or put us in contact with people who need comfort. And just help us, O oh Lord, to minister God's word to them. We thank thee for answered prayer. There's some couple things, Lord, that happened today that uh, are answers to prayer. And so we're thankful for that. God, please continue. Do a mighty work, we pray, through the Holy Spirit of whom we are teaching and preaching, and we ask these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books, and let's sing a couple verses of a great old hymn.
384, where he leads, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, um, let's stand. And brother, would you would you come up and I'll lead this so and I'll play it at the piano and um, I need all the practice I can get. <laughs> Give me grace and glory. 
Thank you so much for the time it could be here tonight. Please watch over us as we leave from here. I ask you to clear the way uh, before us, O Lord, and for those who are traveling. And may the word of God stay in our hearts, our minds. Thank you, God, for your promises. We thank you for Jesus who loved us. Thank you that he has the power to transform our lives, to make us into what he would have us to be. We're just Again, we thank thee, Lord, for all thy blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.